0: Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, a man who realized after two days of struggle that, yes, half-inch sheathing on the outside of your doghouse to your building really does affect the pitch of the rafters, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who has built many buildings but could never actually finish a room in his own basement, Dustin Chapman.
1: My wife's so mad that I didn't finish the rooms that we had to move. I mean, that's it's what it is. I had like a year and a half to do it, and I didn't.
0: <laughs> Next, we have a guy
2: whose wife uses the power tools in the toolbox more than he does. Sean Lewis. One, she's an excellent crafter. Two, I know the power of paying people like Chappie to do the work for me.
0: And finally, we have a man who once spent a week trying to hang an 86-inch TV, John King.
3: In the wise words of what John Lewis just said, sometimes it's just easier to pay somebody to come in and do it, themso- do it themselves instead of yourself.
0: <laughs> well, on today's show, uh, we're going to be talking Big Sky Breakup with Extra Points Matt Brown. Talking a little bit about the news that he broke uh, last week about the fate of Southern Utah in the Big Sky Conference. And uh, after that interview, we're going to be playing uh, maybe a game. We're going to be speculating a little bit on a segment we're calling Split the Sky. The Big Sky Conference is the FCS conference west of the Mississippi. And uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about that. What, what, What does a potential split in the Big Sky Conference look like? Finally, uh, we're going to be wrapping up the show with a game called Lids. We're going to ask our panel to put on their Big Sky Commissioner hats and put them in a hypothetical situation like the one that current Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistrichill is in right now. Uh, But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, any of those places. And please feel free to give us a rating. That helps us climb in the rankings and find our way into more Wildcats feeds and get into their ears. Uh, Also, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is the most active place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. And, um, please tell your friends if you had no wildcat fan fans in your family or in your neighborhood, in your community, please tell them about Weber State Weekly and all the great work that we're doing here to try and bring information about Weaver State Sports to your ears. Now we want to welcome to Weber State Weekly, Matt Brown. Matt is the publisher of the Extra Points uh, newsletter. It's uh, Matt, can you tell us uh, what the what the address is to find your newsletter?
4: Sure thing. You can find the newsletter at extrapoints.substack.com, yeah. uh, or you can give me a follow on Twitter at MattBrownEP. Um, I will probably be tweeting about the newsletter at some point just about every day.
0: That's great. And so Matt puts together this great uh, newsletter. And how often, Matt, do you, you all put that out? The newsletter comes
4: out four times a week. Uh, if you subscribe for free, you get it twice a week, and the paid subscribers
0: will get it all four days. And they get a little bit of extra on top of that, so worth worth subscribing to if you have a little bit of extra cash to support Matt and the work that he does. Tagline for the newsletter is covering all of the off-field issues that affect college sports. So, Matt Brown, welcome to Weber State Weekly. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So, Matt, uh, the reason we wanted to chat with you today on the show was on Friday, you broke some news that there may be changes coming to the Big Sky Conference. Um, We learned that Southern Utah University is potentially leaving the Big Sky for the Western Athletic Conference, the WAC. And so we wanted to kind of bring you on and chat a little bit about that, what it could mean. You know, we've talked a lot of trash on SUU on this podcast. And so... As much as we talk the trash, we would hate to see our rival leave. And it looks like that may be the case. And so well, I wanted to ask, you know, kind of set the stage here. When did you first begin to hear that SU is potentially interested in leaving the conference?
4: Well, this actually happened relatively quickly. I, I've known for about a year that the the WAC has been looking to get back into sponsoring football. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago when this was really the premier mid-major FBI BS comments, you know, you won a dang national title in this league. This this was an incubator for a lot of really innovative football. But then after the Mountain West was kind of carved out of the whack and the league really almost collapsed entirely, it completely changed over membership and became just basically a way station for programs that didn't really have anywhere else to go, It spanned the entire country and people left all the time. And what we're finding now is that many university leaders and conference officials within that league thought one way that we're going to be able to really secure the stability and future of this league is to get into football. Um, they're not the only FCS, uh, only, they're not the only league right now that's, that's looking to do this. The Atlantic Sun, the A-Sun, uh, is also looking to do the same thing at the FCS level and trying to expand and realign mostly in the uh, southeastern United States. There are potentially other leagues that are looking at this as well. And in order for the, the, the WAC to be able to do that, they needed to to come up with a tighter geographic you know area than basically Los Angeles to Chicago or yeah. Los Angeles to Kansas City, which is what the the league's you know full membership looked like for a while. So I had known that they were they were looking at t- at schools. I didn't really know about Southern Utah specifically until about two weeks ago, and then I, I, I followed up with a couple of individuals that I know are very familiar with the decision making within that league. I didn't know for sure until Thursday um, that that this is expected to happen. Uh, my understanding here here on Monday evening is that that move is still not. Official, mm-hmm. but that the WAC fully expects this to happen. Other, uh, you know, outside observers fully expect this to happen, and it's waiting for uh, various boards and attorneys to go over everything, which is generally how these decisions work. Even if the university president is, you know, immediately on board with making that change, so that would give the, FC, uh, the WAC three FCS football playing members. And it's my understanding, and what I've been told from digging into the story, is that more are coming.
2: So, Matt, if I could follow up on that question, just ask, um, is the WAC direction more big sky schools or is it other schools raising up from D2? Where do you think the WAC gets the seven to to ten other schools that they need to have a full fledged conference in football?
4: You know, I I think in the very short term, what I have been told is that the bulk of those teams would be coming from Division Two. Um, the, the the general footprint that they're looking for at this point is a Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Texas area. And if there was the right school that that wanted to be a part of this that was in Southern California, you know, I don't think they would turn them down. There's one school that's in South Dakota uh, that's very interested in the WAC and potentially, you know, they might bring them aboard as well. But th- that's the the the, the bulk pitch here is trying to, to get in with, with within that particular radius. And while there's really not very many FBS institutions there, there are quite a few division two. You have the Rocky mountain athletic conference, which has a bunch of division two schools in Colorado, many of whom have been approached by the WAC over the last year or so. And you have the lone star conference in Texas, which is, has as several high level division two uh, athletic programs. That's where Tarleton state came from multiple other teams, particularly in universities that have higher enrollments, have looked at this as well. So I, I don't want to say that it's impossible that any other Big Sky or Pioneer League or any other FCS team could join this configuration eventually. But what I've been told is that in the short term, it is more likely you'll see somebody from you know, Colorado or
2: Texas join than, say, Northern Arizona. So this isn't a whack mountain west situation where you've got a group no. of schools that are looking to break away that, that's what I wanted to yeah to no that that, out that that
4: is not how this has been explained to me and and that's not what we've seen already right now because the teams that have you know prior to southern Utah that have said we want to be a part of this. Have been division two column
0: and Matt we should note that um thus far as you as you said in your in your initial statement southern Utah University has not confirmed necessarily that this move is happening it's still like you said folks are still going through paperwork and stuff like that but you did yeah. before we before we began recording you mentioned that they did make some sort of statement and i wondered if you would talk a little bit about that statement and kind of what you drew from it sure
4: yeah you know the, the university gave a statement to the local newspaper uh, and said that I, I want to make sure i'm quoting this correctly here i, I believe it was we have not received an official Invite to any other conference. You know that comes up from time to time. We wouldn't do it unless it provided an improved experience for our student athletes, and we want to go someplace that sponsors all of us. So with that, when I read something like that, that is not a denial. If Mm. you want to make it clear that you are not leaving your league and that you are not interested in this particular rumor, you say explicitly that you say "We're, we're not going. We're happy in the big sky. We want to be here for a long time. That's a pretty easy thing to say if the whole thing is bunk. If it's not. You say, which is technically true, we haven't gotten the paperwork yet, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, what I think sometimes people misunderstand at the FCS level is that there's not really a difference in like media rights money. You know, Southern Utah's not making any money from television, zero. I, I looked, I looked at their the financial report where they have to file with the NCAA. So the, when you're looking at making these changes, the idea of of a league being more prestigious or better than the other, if they're all single 1000000000 athletic conferences. Isn't really the same thing, especially since you know, no offense, Southern Utah basketball kind of stinks. Like they're they're not really looking right now as as, as like that as a perennial NCAA tournament kind of team. Yeah. So
0: I mean, know, they've been better, but yeah, it's still not uh they're not it's exactly a powerhouse. It's still,
4: yeah. It's I I it's 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 not Weber. It's it's not any other, you know, high, higher profile low major team um out west. So um I, would, I, I am still expecting an announcement in the next week or so, um, potentially with, with other teams joining them w- to move forward in this process.
0: I noticed some uh, some chatter on Twitter today talking about the fact that uh, baseball might be a part of the calculus and changing potentially conferences over to the WAC. Uh, people were making comments to the fact that, well, the old baseball field has grass on it these days and that certain old scoreboards had been moved and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, I don't know how much that matters at all because baseball doesn't seem to make a lot of money at, at, at this level, but it is what you it know, is non revenue sport
2: for sure.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I have not heard anything one way or another about baseball involved in this decision, which isn't to say that it isn't, but I, I haven't been told anything about it.
2: So Matt, what is the motivation for Southern Utah? Um, why, why go from what traditionally this big sky has been in around since 1963, been very, very stable over the years with very few defections. Um, and is the premier and by premier, I mean only FCS conference yeah. in, in the Western United States. So what's the motivation for Southern Utah, other than maybe getting something for, for uh, baseball, it, you, as you already mentioned, there's not extra money. Um, it, it's a different conference. Is this just getting away from Weber and Montana and getting an easier way to the FCS playoffs? What what really is the motivation there?
4: Well, that's a good question. And this is one that, that I've seen a lot too. And I want, I want to, you know, be clear, I can't speak to this exactly. Uh, I can make a pretty educated, informed guess. And I'll, I'll leave it to, you know, university officials to, to speak on this more explicitly, you know, if and when this decision, you know, becomes official. But the biggest thing here is that when I talk to conference commissioners or athletic directors or presidents, uh, and I, you know, we're talking about what what are you most concerned about? What it, What is going to be a major responsibility for you and your department over the coming years? Almost uniformly, I hear we're really worried about containing costs, and one of the biggest ways to do that is by limiting travel. Um, moving a football team, even an FCS football team, into a, a bus or a plane is extremely expensive. It's one of the it's one of the biggest cost centers uh, for Southern Utah's athletic department in, entirely. I think if I'm looking at their report, I know it's over $200,000 just for their football team, moving things around. And this is not an athletic department that generates a lot of revenue, even by low major standards. They sell almost no tickets. There's no media revenue coming in. Um, Even if you make the FCS playoffs, even if you, because of the way that the finances of the system are set up, you generally don't make very much money either. You know, if you're hosting a playoff game at the FCS level, there's a pretty good chance you're literally losing money hosting that game because you have to send so much of that gate back to the NCAA.
1: It is. It's, so, it's, the re- it's the reason Weber never hosted until just a few years ago.
4: <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, we can get to that in a second, I guess. But there's, there's a lot of consternation about the nuts and bolts of FCS football generally. So then, if for I mean, if you're a school like Southern or a school like some of these other, you know, FCS programs that are looking at other league options, whether that's in the A Sun or the MiAC or the Colonial or all of these leagues here on the on the East Coast, it's what can I do to save myself some money? And so, if Southern Utah hypothetically believed or had reason to believe that a new WAC uh, would be allow them to save money on their travel, not just for football but for their entire sports profile, you know, particularly if you can, you know, you, you have Dixie. Um, which you can drive to, and then, and then schedule as many of your non-conference games within that 300-mile radius as possible, then honestly, from a financial perspective, the FCS playoffs might not even matter at all. If you can shave off 350, dollars $400,000 from your budget by making that change, that makes it easier for you to support the rest of your athletic programs. It makes it easier for you to pay for trainers and for academic support specialists. And so then you can credibly say, I'm providing a better experience for my athletes even if the RPI rating of my new league has declined. Um, and honestly, if we're looking at this in five years, I think the odds of New Mexico State being an all-member, you know, sports member of, of the WAC are not great. And so then suddenly you might have a more career, a more direct path to the NCAA tournament than you might have had uh, in, in the in the big sky. Certainly a potentially uh, a, an easier path to the FCS playoffs if this new league gets an, gets an auto bid. Than you would have had before but I, so that that may be part of it but honestly i think the biggest thing is just about saving
1: money so matt uh i have a, a question or two for you um by yeah. the way i i was uh probably one of the first hopefully 10 or 100 people to subscribe to extra points as a paid member if you're not mm-hmm. subscribing to it you should it's it's one of my favorite reads every morning Thank you uh, very much. <laughs> uh, so just a, a i'm gonna throw out a couple schools here in sure. the west and, and maybe we can talk about them in a, but like uh, I think about like UVU, okay? UVU obviously is in the whack with a lot of sports, but is there any any thought? There's always kind of been a speculation that maybe they'd add football at some point. Is that possible? I mean, I think anything's
4: possible. I think that would be a little bit unlikely. It would be difficult, I think, to spend all of the money necessary to start a football team. And it's millions of dollars in upfront costs when you are like literally in the shadow of BYU, basically. And it's it's already hard enough, I think, for that campus where and this is true, I think, for a lot of, of regional kind of commuter sort of schools. If you, if you polled every single student at UVU for their favorite basketball team, I, I'm guessing more people are going to say BYU or Utah than UVU. Like, and that's the truth for schools I think have hit similar profiles in the Midwest or South. And so you're, it's you're one You're punching thing, way
2: close to our heart there, Matt, because we see the same thing at Weber <laughs> State. And it's, it's, it's sure. a, it's a it, yeah. spot of contention for this panel.
4: Uh, yeah, it's it's true. It's so many other places. And so you might be able to justify that for a, for basketball or soccer or wrestling or sports that have smaller, you know, less overhead costs. But for football, I think it would be a challenge. Now, if somebody, you know, if 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 somebody gives the Hollands a gigantic check and says to do it, it's possible. But I think that's what you need. My understanding was that UVU is, was hesitant even to get into the lacrosse business. Which is way less expensive um, you know, for some of those for some of those concerns. So I, I look at anybody in the WAC that doesn't have football right now. It would it would surprise me if any of them started a team, especially.
1: Okay, that makes sense. What about uh, what about let's say like San Diego? You know, who has who's in the Pioneer Football League? Yeah. I, I can't imagine what their travel expenses are because, they, yeah, there's nothing anywhere even remotely close to them. Is there is there a chance that they could make a move?
4: That's a good question. And I, I asked around about this because I, I it's, it's not really a secret. San Diego is not really in love with their current situation. Like not only do they not have any Pioneer League teams within their time zone or another the time zone next to them, but they're also killing everybody in that league. Like they've, they've won the Pioneer League, like what, like seven in the last seven years in a row. Most I'm, of those games are not even super competitive.
2: I'm yeah. looking forward to, is it St. John's of Minnesota that was kicked out of their conference that just joined that one? They're, yep. they're going to be the team that gives, gives San Diego a run for their money there. Eventually. What I was told was that San Diego
4: wasn't sure that they could afford enough scholarships to be competitive in a scholarship conference. So across the FCS, you get like what is it, like sixty something uh, is your scholarship limit. But a lot of these schools don't don't fund that full limit. Um, if you go into look at some of the HBCUs, for example, you'll see schools that are only only giving about forty uh, scholarships. You know, some of the smallest programs in the in New England are only giving in the forties. And what I was told was that San Diego felt like they could get into the <clears> thirties, maybe P- would they feel more comfortable offering twenty four, and then then they felt like if they went into a league where everybody else was offering you know, into the 50s, they'd be at a major competitive disadvantage. So I don't want to say that that's an impossibility. But from what I've been told right now, it it doesn't make sense yet.
1: And then you mentioned the last couple one of the last two teams I was going to ask about, but current FBS teams that probably shouldn't be FBS teams, Mm -hmm. uh, New Mexico and, and even UTEP. Is, is Any chance? I mean, I know why New Mexico. Sorry, not New Mexico. New Mexico State. Let me make sure I say that right. Yeah. Um, I know why New Mexico State. They've said why they stay, and it's because New Mexico and UTEP are they're their rivals. They're both FBS programs. It's it's, it's what they're what they have to do to stay relevant with them. But is there a chance that either of those two, New Mexico State or UTEP, ever ever make the drop like Idaho did?
4: Uh, UTEP would surprise me. That that they're in such a gigantic city. And they have a, a really big stadium and a lot of kind of sunk you know, infrastructure costs. And I, I still think there are people within that program that at least envision a way where they become a, a semi-regular bowl participant. Their budget situation is atrocious. But you can squint and you can see a way for UTEP to be, I guess, a 500 team. For New Mexico State, you, you hit the nail on the head. And it isn't just about keeping up with rivals about athletics. In that case, it's explicitly about keeping up with those two schools because that's where they recruit students. Um, you know, they, they know they have basically no shot of building any kind of meaningful successful football program. And I, I, you know, my understanding is that there's a lot of people in that department that recognize that independence is not going to work over the next decade. If you are, enrollment is always a challenge. And if you feel like you won't become relevant for non-athletes, if you are perceived as being inferior to New Mexico or UTEP, and then they're in the same league as like Eastern New Mexico, then you may lose a lot more money from tuition than you do from getting murdered in football every year. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say it's impossible. Like if you had to pick a school in the FBS, that would be most likely to drop down a level. They're probably in the top three, but I don't think, and no one's told me that that's something that's, that could happen in the next year or two. They they really want to keep this going to, to get kids in classrooms, um, rather than do any, they're honestly, they might be the only school in the FBS that's running an FBS program almost explicitly for that reason.
0: Matt, a couple couple questions here before we we wrap up the interview. We wanted to ask, you know, kind of in this vein where we're talking about moving up and down. um, At the FCS level, with COVID-19, it's been very difficult for programs across the country. And like you said, a lot of times with those FCS schools, you're not making television revenue. And so it really is all about selling tickets and uh, finding other ways to pay for very expensive football programs. In the wake of COVID-19, do you see FCS football as more or less viable as a product in college sports?
4: Yeah, I, I think less, on, honestly, which, which which is unfortunate because I think many of these schools produce a really high-quality product, and it's deeply meaningful to those communities. And um, I think because the television money is lower, you're, you kind of can strip away some of the uh, the excesses within college football that you might have at the FBS level. But I can tell you a lot of athletic directors right now are concerned even before COVID about how to make all of the math work for FCS. You know, I think the big example in your neck of the woods is with Eastern Washington, which is an, yeah. an excellent FBS football program, one of the best in the West. And they are, they're dead broke. And, and that is that, and that's a problem that, you know, has to do with with lawmakers in the state of Washington. It has to do with enrollment situations. A lot of things that have nothing to do with athletics, but also they're not selling very many tickets their 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 community is not super engaged in that program, despite them standing on their head and demanding attention. And now there's some real concern about how we pay for it. And so, but, if, but they've got new red turf. They do. It, it it's it's beautiful and terrifying. I right like
0: beautiful is not the, is the word right I would word use. Right man. There.
4: Well, I, I listen. I mean, I'm a sucker for a gimmick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not, I'm not a difficult man to impress. So. If you're not Montana or if you're not North Dakota State or you're not a couple of these other schools like or James Madison, making the math work is a big challenge. And here's the biggest threat on the FCS level, right? When you when you look at the financial reports from most of these public schools, the place where they're getting the most revenue for their athletic department isn't even ticket sales. It's through student fees, right? If you're at James Madison, every single student who enrolls, whether you go within 1,000 yards of the football stadium in your life or not, they have to pay over a thousand dollars and they get that just gets tacked onto their tuition. And that goes to the athletic department. For most schools, it's a couple hundred bucks. And that's what pays overwhelmingly for the department. So in the COVID era, if suddenly your enrollment drops five or 6%, suddenly you're out hundreds of thousands of dollars for your athletic department. And there's no way to, to patch things up. And that's where you have a big crisis, you know, at a flagship state university like Utah, you generally don't feel those same enrollment pressures. Certainly, BYU isn't right now. They're, they're one of the, the few schools that's that's still turning people away because they they they're they're, they're opposite of, of under enrolled. Uh, but for regional public institutions, which I think would include lots of schools in Utah, maybe Northern Arizona, all throughout uh, all, all throughout the, the the West, are are facing a difficult spot, and it, it's much harder, I think, for these schools to hit up their donors and raise an extra four hundred grand than it might be for some places out
0: East. Matt, I wanted to end on just this last question because uh, the rivalry between Weber State and Southern Utah has been quite a fun one over the past few years. You know, it's gone a little bit back and forth ever since 2017, it's been fairly one-sided. We've beat them handily. But I wanted to ask, should, the, should SUU move to the WAC? Do you think that effectively kills that rivalry, that the Beehive Bowl will stop happening? Or do you think there will be efforts on the ADs from both Weber and Southern Utah's um, parts to make sure that that rivalry remains, even though they live in different conferences now.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak to what kind of personal relationship the ads of those two universities have with each other, but I think it would make common sense to try and do that. Certainly, uh, if I'm Southern and I move to the WAC and I have a couple of out-of-conference games to fill, I'm doing everything I can to make sure they're within 350 miles, not only to save money on travel, but also it's going to be easier to sell tickets when Weber's come into town then uh, Augustana or, or some, you know, some random school that you might have to, to, to call up to, to fill in, fill in the gaps. And I honestly, that might be true for Weber too. Um, you're, you're probably going to have to play some kind of guarantee game in order to, to, to balance your budget. You're going to have to go, you know, play Utah state and get slaughtered and, 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 you know, collect that check. But I, I, I can't see a reason why either party would not want to continue that game out of conference and certainly to keep doing it in basketball. Um, if you're not in the same league anymore, because you, I I imagine that's going to be more profitable and more interesting to your local media than almost any other team you could potentially play.
0: That's wonderful. Well, Matt Brown, we really appreciate you coming on Weber state weekly to chat about, uh, the state of. FCS football and kind of what the future could bring out here in the west. Um like we said at the top of the interview if you haven't already looked up Matt, uh, he's on Twitter. It's a great place to follow him and also make sure that you follow Extra Points, you sign up for the newsletter and also consider being a paid subscriber to that service. It's a good one. You get a newsletter four times a week and lots of good info. You can be right there when Matt breaks great news like what we just talked about here tonight. So Matt Brown really appreciate you.
4: Yeah, no problem. It was my pleasure. Thanks fellas.
0: Uh, appreciate Matt Brown for chatting with us here. And uh, now we're going to throw it back to our, our panel uh, and ask them what does, with a segment we're going to call split the sky. And so what could conference realignment look like in the big sky? And so first question for the panel here is what are your thoughts on what a realigned big sky conference could potentially look like? Uh, who wants to take that question first?
1: I'll jump in. Uh, it's no secret that the big sky is too big <laughs> there's there's too many teams uh we don't i think uh, ideally you want a conference where you're playing each other every year uh so in, in my mind i would like to see the big sky uh kind of turn return and be the old big sky you know now obviously boise state's moved on but idaho's back i'd like to see those types of teams where it's you know weber state montana montana state idaho uh, eastern washington idaho state kind of the those traditional Inner mountain schools uh that, that that line up geographically and uh that have been there for a long time those are the schools I'd like to see be in in the realign big sky a lot of the other schools no offense to them I, I don't know that they they fit as much maybe see northern Arizona in there maybe see northern Colorado but uh to me I would kind of take the intermountain schools and and, and make it so that we can play each other every year. I mean, it's, it's no secret that everybody wants to play Montana every year and I, I, that can't happen right now. And, and that's okay. But in a, in a true, to have a true league champion, we're not having a conference championship game. You want to have each team play each other.
0: John or Sean, what, uh, what do you think about uh, what a potentially realigned Big Sky Conference could look like?
3: So I think you have a couple different options here. I mean, because you've seen, you know, a couple different ways people have done it across the country. So like you have like a conference like the SEC, they split it east and west. Um, you have the conference like the Pac-12, they split it north and south. Um, I think both those options would be kind of tough, you know, just from a pure geographic standpoint right now, because either way you split it, if, you know, if you go east-west the eastern part of the conference is going to be far stronger than the western part of the conference. Same thing if you go north-south, the northern part of the conference would be much, um, much stronger than the southern part of the conference. So I think that what you would have to do is you would have to take some sort of big 10 style model uh the old big 10 style model cuz i think that they have big 10 east big 10 west
2: now but they had like legends and leaders or something like that and then leaders these- and legends the best division names ever and then only lasted for like 6 months it was fantastic <laughs> and so
3: i think you'd have to go somewhere along those lines where like you say okay we have to have a little bit of geographic integrity here, but at the same time, we also want to have equally competitive sides of the conference because you don't want to have a situation where you know one side is just an absolute like dogfight to get through every year, and you kind of cannibalize yourself over the course of the season trying to get you know as many teams as you can from the Big Sky Conference in the FCS playoff.
0: Sean, what are your thoughts on a realigned Big Sky Conference?
2: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep here, fellas. Uh, uh dig in here, because I, much to my wife's and my employer's chagrin, I probably spent way too much time on this over the last couple of days, uh, trying to figure this out. I evaluated 20 different schools uh, in the western part of the country, as far north as Eastern Washington, as far west as Portland, San Diego, uh, Cal Poly, UC Davis, Sacramento, uh, as far east as as Tarleton. They're in the southeast uh in Texas I've actually I actually put all these schools on a map because I wanted to see how we could do it geographically in different ways um with 20 schools you have enough for two 10 team conferences um and I looked at okay how do we split this up and and to to John's point if we do a north and a south I imagine a north that had EWU Idaho Portland Montana Montana State Davis Sacramento and Poly Um, And you could add a central Washington coming up from the D2 ranks there Um, that gets the Montana schools into the California and stuff like that. You do a South conference. Now, these are not divisions. I think I'm I'm imagining two different conferences. Uh, A South conference would be Idaho State, Weber, Southern Utah, Dixie, NAU, uh, USD, uh, San Diego, Northern Colorado. Maybe you add a New Mexico State uh, to that lineup. Um, One of the things that I looked at is what is the old traditional Big Sky? Chappie talked about that a couple minutes ago. The Big Sky was founded in 1963. Charter members that are still involved. Idaho State, Montana, Montana State, Weber. Uh, Idaho left for a while, but they're back. They were a charter member in 1963. Expanded in 1970 to get Northern Arizona in. 1987 brought Eastern Washington. 1996 brought Sacramento, Portland State. Um, and UNC came in 2006. And of course, uh, North Dakota came and went during that time. I Every... School, you want to have in a conference, you want to have schools that are geographically uh, situated. We talked to Mount Brown, who said, you know, part of the thing about FCS is reducing costs. So you want to be geographically located. You want to be able to get fans to and from. One of the great things about the SEC is you can drive the Big Ten's the same way you can drive between between the schools. So you get fans from visiting schools. Uh, Coming to your party at, and, and you get some of those opposing uh, fans in your stadium on game day uh, for football and basketball, more so for football. Um, I think the perfect size conference is, is eight teams because you get the true round robin. Um, I could be convinced to go to 10 with the nine-game conference schedule. Uh, and again, talking strictly football uh, for this. So where I came down on this, um, in all reality, I, I'm calling it the I-15 conference. And and this is my conference, uh, where where I'd like to see the big sky go, Montana, Montana State, Idaho State, Weber, Southern Utah, Dixie, Northern Arizona, and San Diego. Let you me give you some facts about dome?
0: you cut the Kibby
2: Dome. Hold on, hold on, give give me a second here. That conference is the eight. If you're expanding to ten, and I and I'll be open for ten. The ten you add Idaho, and and a shocker, I'm starting football at Utah Valley. <laughs> and, and I want Utah Valley in the conference. What this does is you get a top to bottom. You're going from, from Moscow, Idaho to Montana, all the way down to San Diego. Um, so you, you still have a footprint in California where you get that recordi- or re- recording or uh, recording, recruiting that, uh, that you want to have in California. Some facts and figures under the current, uh, in the I-15 conference, the longest road trip is San Diego to Montana, uh, 1,270 miles. Idaho's 1196, Montana State's 1153, they're all within that range. Weber in the middle, 779 miles or 700 miles, give or take, from Weber, Utah Valley would be the middle of the conference. Currently in the big sky, the longest road trips, Portland State to NAU, 1200 miles, EWU to NAU, roughly 1200 miles, EWU uh, to UNC is 1000 miles, Portland to UNC is 1200. You're in that same footprint. The beauty of the I-15 conference though, is. Everything's on I-15 and on a freeway until you get to I-90 in in uh, Montana, except for Moscow. Moscow is the only school that's not on a major freeway. And you get the uh, Utah Central area where you've got the most schools are within a, an easy drive of Salt Lake City. So you have the major airport so everybody can come in. If you're flying, you can bus to the schools around you. Um, and you've got Salt Lake City as the headquarters or Farmington, if you want to leave them in Farmington, but you get the basketball tournament at the E Center. Everybody can come in. It's a natural place for everybody to meet in the middle and do your basketball tournament uh, and, and football championship at, uh, at uh, uh, Rio Tinto. It makes too much sense not to do it that way. The I-15 conference, make it happen today.
0: Mm, yeah. what wow. a pitch it's
1: a round of applause for yeah. sure.
0: that's yeah he had visual aids and everything folks he was he was, he was ready for this hey, uh, I'm,
3: I'm i'm hoping that we put the visual aid on twitter but the visual aid does really it really kind of encapsulates like this entire uh, entire debate because when you look at like the western part of the country and all the schools that we're we're talking about here like you know the the visual aid makes the presentation for sure
2: well, here's, here's it'll here's, be on our Twitter feed and and on on Facebook within when when this is posted, we'll get it out there.
1: Well, here's the interesting thing to me about a lot of just sports in the West in the Western U.S. If you split California in half, the the tradition, the, the quote unquote tradition, there's some outliers, but it's that you have two FBS teams and one FCS team within your state. You know, Oregon does it. Washington does it that way. Idaho did do it that way until Idaho dropped back down. Wyoming doesn't have enough population. Neither does Nevada. Colorado does it that way. Um, Arizona does it that way. New Mexico doesn't have enough population. California, if if you split it in half, would do the same thing. Strangely, the outlier to all of that is Utah, where we have three FBS teams and three FCS teams and Four, if you throw in Utah Valley and Sean's proposal, it's it's we have a, a dearth of potential football teams
2: here in Utah that states much larger than us don't have. Can, can I add one caveat to this? One of my favorite traditions in college sports is the Texas Longhorns. If you pay attention to the back of their football helmet, they always put the outline in the state of Texas, and when they win against schools in Texas and Oklahoma, they put a little star for that school on the back of their helmet, how cool would it be for all four schools in my I-15 conference to uh, put a state of Utah on their helmet and Mark do the, do the, the, the notches on the helmet when they beat uh, you could have a round Robin where you get Weber state, Utah Valley, Southern Utah, and Dixie playing every year in conference games for a state championship in football and basketball. You tell me that doesn't drive uh fan excitement. Uh, Weber state going down to Dixie, Every other year, you're telling me fans wouldn't drive, make that drive down to St. George uh, every year for that game? It's four and a half hours. Did it it, this this weekend. This makes way too much sense for it not to happen. Um, And uh, I I, I did misspeak earlier. I mentioned that Idaho was the only school off the beaten path there. Northern Arizona is a little bit off the beaten path as well, but it's close enough that nobody cares. You get to go Mm -hmm. see the Grand Canyon when you go visit NAU. So I, I'm all in on the I-15 conference. Tom Worcestershire, pay me the $100,000. I've just realized your conference and made it a, a hundred times better. Sean, the consultant. <laughs> no, Unfor- there it is. Un- unfortunately, Sean,
1: it looks like this is not going to pan out, according to our information from Matt Brown.
2: <laughs> fair <laughs> well, fair enough. But uh,
0: I wanted to uh, ask you just to kind of wrap up here. Um, it sounds as though there may be some shifts, uh, some folks – we know that there's at least probably one school leaving the big sky and that there may be schools following. And so I wanted to get from you briefly, just give me your three top three schools who could leave the big sky conference in the next three to five years. Just give me those three schools. John King, how about you?
3: Well, I think with the news that, you know, of what's going on with, with the whack, I, I think probably your three most, uh, 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 your three most likely are going to be your California schools, UC Davis, Sec, uh, uh, Sac State, and uh, and Cal Poly. Like, I just think that, you know, the the WAC would have a lot of opportunity to expand into California. And if, you know, obviously Southern Utah is the, um, uh, is the rumored school right now, that's going to be leaving the big sky. Just, I just think that it would make, sense for the WAC to be more on the western part of the state I mean western part of the country and I just I just see the California schools kind of falling in line with that
0: okay Chappie what who what are your top three schools that you think will leave the big sky in the next three or five years
1: the top one is northern Arizona I, and that's not to say that I want them to leave but geographically if if SUU and Dixie State and you also already have Grand Canyon State in the WAC I mean it kind of makes sense for Northern Colorado. Beyond that, to me, it gets a little muddy. Um, I, I could see, I could see Northern Colorado leaving, um, and and potentially some other uh, of the California schools. Whether that be any combination of Poly, Davis, or Sac
0: State. And Sean, uh, finally, your top three schools.
2: So I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm listening to what uh, Matt Brown told us about. The whack, um, and that uh, we asked the this, this specific question. This is not a Mountain West whack situation where you've got big, big uh, group of schools from the Big Sky leaving. Um, agree with what everybody said. Uh, Davis and Polly being only affiliate members, a lot easier for them to leave the Big Sky. Um, Northern Arizona, if there's a concentration there, reduce travel costs. That makes sense to me. Uh, Northern Colorado uh, could go. Um, I think they like being in the Big Sky. They um, they've always been kind of an outlier, but but they're there. They're in. I, I, I think they'd be hesitant to, to leave. Here's the one, uh, my top one, and it's going to come out of left field. I think Eastern Washington leaves the big sky, but not for another conference. I think they are closer to dropping sports entirely than, uh, than moving to another conference.
0: Interesting. And based on what we've learned, that, that may be the case. Who knows, depending on their financial situation in Cheney. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up the show here with a game called Lids. Uh, Like we said at the top of the show, we're going to ask the panel to be the Big Sky Commissioner, and you get word that SUU is, in fact, leaving for another conference. What do you do? Do you let it happen? Do you recruit a replacement? Are you on the hot seat now to keep other schools from defecting? I want to get a brief answer from each of you as Big Sky Commissioner. What do you do when you've been handed that news? And uh, Sean Lewis, let's start with you.
2: Um, I think the big sky in football is too big at 13. I 12 makes an easier scheduling number. Um, it, 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 it just fits a little bit better. I'm probably doing nothing, but if I'm adding a team to replace them, my first call is the San Diego. Um, it gets another strong California school. Um, the religious private aspect of that school makes it a little bit, not like all the public institutions in the conference, but their football team needs a home in the West the the pioneer league does them no favors and i think san diego answers that call if you, if you make if you ring
0: Dodd, hmm. what about you Chappie? uh you're the big sky commissioner you get word that su is leaving for another conference um what do you do and what goes through your mind
1: if 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 the school leaving the conference is not montana or montana state you, you pretty much say see you later
2: <laughs> you, you're not
1: worried no no you're, you're not worried at all the in my opinion, and this is, again, me speaking, I I think everybody knows the conference is too big, okay, so so losing one, potentially two members does not feel like the end of the world. Now, the problem I see is you don't want more, you don't want to, you don't want it to be a, a whack Mountain West situation where there's, you know, the secret combination between BYU and Utah State getting figured out, and Craig Thompson basically, you know, raiding the whack overnight, and and disintegrating the conference. You don't want that to happen. You got to keep your ears open and your eyes open, but um, losing a couple schools to me doesn't, doesn't do much. You just want to make sure it's the right schools.
0: Okay. And finally, John King, big sky commissioner. You get this word. Uh, What does John King do?
3: Well, fan hat on first, I've been on the record on this podcast saying how much I've enjoyed having the in-state rival Southern Utah. So obviously it would suck you know, if that were to happen, but from a, you know, strictly business uh, perspective, I think that you just kind of let them, you know, go. I mean, everybody's kind of echoed the same point. The big sky is, you know, too big right now. I think probably the sweet spot would be to have like a 10 team league. Um, So if this, you know, if this cuts one team out of the conference then you're two teams away from getting to that 10 team league and that just helps, you know, that just helps more with scheduling and you get to see more of the teams, you know, year in and year out. And, you and you know, I just, for the most part, I, I, you know, I think that it's it's hard to say because I enjoy the game so much from, from a business perspective. I think you just got to let them go and say, you know, maybe we'll get you every four years on the non-conference slate.
0: Yeah. Well, John, if, uh, you know, say there were more defections and uh, you were in a situation where you did need to go and recruit a school, What's a school that you'd have your eye on?
3: So I would be interested to see what would happen um, just from a, you know, I guess prestige standpoint. I mean, we kind of talked about this with, uh, with Matt in the first segment. Um, I'd be interested to see what happened between New Mexico, New Mexico state and UTEP. I mean, I, I, those don't make sense geographically whatsoever at all, but just from like kind of, you know, a prestige set point and just like, who could we add that would kind of make a splash Like, I think the answer would be UTEP, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of history at that school. I mean, they were formerly Texas Western, won a basketball national championship in 1966. Don Haskins was, you know, one of the winningest coaches in the history of college basketball. And, you know, that really says something. Um, But I think that could be a cool addition, you know, if they decided to kind of go down, uh, uh, go down that road and join FCS football.
0: Well, Chappie, I wanted to ask you the same question. You know, if, if there were a a lot of defections and you had to then go out and find a school to add to the Big Sky, who who would you have your eye on?
1: <laughs> so my my theory gets thrown out here because it's SU that's leaving. But what I wanted to see was the California one or multiple California school schools leaving and, and have the the Big Sky add Dixie State. That's that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the Utah schools uh, together and and, and kind of heading north up by 15, as Sean's saying. So it doesn't work in this scenario because SUU is the one leaving, but ideally I would have liked to have seen SUU and Dixie stay and have us
0: lose some other schools. I see. Well, that's a game called Lids. Thank you to our panel for putting together some pretty, pretty thoughtful responses there. Um, we're going to move on to upcoming events this week. So it would have been Homecoming week this week. If we had not had a, a a once in a lifetime pandemic, and so all of these events will be happening online for the most part. Um, and so this week, uh, Wednesday, October seventh, the Emeriti Alumni get together, and there's a lecture. They're going to be doing this via Zoom, five p.m. on Wednesday. So it'll be right, probably soon, not long after this podcast drop. You'll have an opportunity to go to the the, the college website and find the link to go and listen to the Emeriti Alumni Lecture. I'm not sure what it's about, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Then on Friday, if you haven't taken part in this tradition that we stole, please do, (laughs) it'll be True Wildcat. Friday night, October 9th, you go to Stuart Bell Tower. It's 1130 to midnight. At midnight, when the clock tower, you know, chimes midnight, you bring your significant other, give that person a kiss, and you're a True Wildcat. So take part. And then finally, on October 10th, this is Saturday, this would have been our homecoming game, uh, there's a, a homecoming recycle 5K run. And so basically what you do is you go and you, I think you sign up to run or whatever, you run wherever you'd like, and then you submit some some information, and then they're going to have an awards ceremony on Saturday at 10 a.m., talking about who the winners are and all that stuff so some things happening around homecoming a little bit different this year of course because there's no football and we can't necessarily get all get together but opportunities for you to feel somewhat engaged with campus
2: during homecoming week also a lit w on the mountain uh homecoming tradition go out and check it out all week is it up there they do have it up had a lighting ceremony tonight, Chappie. Come on. Yep. The lighting ceremony was
0: tonight, Monday night. And so it will be up. Hopefully, I believe you're right. All week. It's up there and it's in purple. So uh, we're going to wrap the show up there, folks. Uh, If you'd like to send us your comments, your thoughts, ideas, feel free to email us. That's at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. It's the best place to get in contact with the hosts and uh, send us your feedback. Like we said, at the top of the show, we're on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, all of those, Weber State Weekly. Or uh, we have a blog. We have a website. You can go to weberstateweekly.com. Uh, we've been talking about some ideas for some content uh, around recruiting. And so there may be something coming up there soon um, from our very own AC. So we'll see about that. Um, but there's lots of opportunities to get in contact with us and and be a part of it, of the community. And if you haven't already... Feel free to join the Facebook group. There's a Weber State fans Facebook group, and it's an awesome place to talk Weber State sports with a lot of people who are very, very passionate, and it continues to grow every week. We want to thank everybody for taking the time to be on Wild Weber State Weekly this week, Homecoming week. Enjoy it. Maybe make some purple pancakes if you didn't do that when the semester started. And um, Leslie, until next week, we'll say Weber State, Weber State.
3: Great, great, great. Uh, you <laughs>